It's Wednesday again. That means only one thing. It's time now for Supernatural News and Parashare. It's your favorite time of the week. And with that favorite time of the week, we need to bring in a co-host, a powerful co-host, a co-host that I know you all love and enjoy. Well, we're not going to bring that person on, but we have, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we're bringing in the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. Bruiser, how you doing? I'm doing great. And you know what? I love our listeners, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just figured I'd have some fun with you. Unfortunately, folks, this is uh, Bruiser's last week for a couple of weeks because he is going in for surgery. So we're wishing you well, Bruiser. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, yeah. I'm, like I said in a post, I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. Uh, but most of all, I'm content. Like I'm ready for the next chapter yeah. of of life where it's not as painful. Well, you know, and you you deserve to be out of pain. That's the thing. Uh, you yes. know, and you've been dealing with this this bum hip for a while, and uh, you almost ten years now. Yeah, and you've been working on that hip for a while. I I don't know if people realize how painful that is. Oh yeah, I get. Um, uh, surprisingly a couple of my students in AML wrestling who I, I wrestle for here they're putting on a show for me um as like wow. a thank you a celebration I didn't know they were doing this oh wow and and a couple of the wrestlers have said man we see how much pain you're in and you still get in the ring no matter how many people are in the crowd and still go 110 percent and you know we just want to give back and it, it brought a tear to this bruiser's eye because I just you know me, I I try to be as humble as I can. I don't think I deserve all the stuff I got, but oh, like no, it's really do. cool to see and feels really good knowing that all the sacrifice of me doing that, it, you know, pays off. And I get it from yeah. the fans all the time. I love listening. You know, the fans tell me, you know, they share the stories the first time they saw me and whatnot. So it mm -hmm. makes it a little bit easier stepping through those ropes. Yeah, you know. But I I'm not gonna lie. I've had a countdown. <laughs> I got two matches yeah. left. Yeah. And then this bad boy gets fixed, and and I'm looking forward to walking without a limp. And I'm I'm really excited for that New Orleans trip with my my youngest daughter's yeah. 21st birthday. Which yeah. we'll let the cat out of the bag, fans, uh, listeners. My my daughter wants to go to New Orleans, not to drink on Bourbon Street. She wants to do all the paranormal stuff. That's right. So we're That's trying right. to work something out where I can bring my equipment and we'll see if we can get some readings and stuff and bring it back to the show and see what we can do. That's but, right. That's right. We'll feature it uh, here on the show and uh, get Bruiser's going to get back a little bit. So there you go. Yeah. And, and he and doesn't it, have it, to. It, war it warms his father's heart knowing that his daughter wants to go to New Orleans, not for the drinking, even though there will be some drinking. But yeah for the the paranormal and the urban legends and the rougarou and the voodoo and all that yeah. it's like she's definitely mine <laughs> that's right that's your kid that's for sure I, I just want to give people an idea because you know when i was when i was 14 or actually 13 14 years old i i had a slip to epiphysis which is nothing compared to what you have going on right now but i can relate to the pain because every time i took a step it felt like my hip was breaking because it was mm -hmm. and you once described to me what it was like when you go to take a step because you have these it's almost like spines coming off your hip and those yep. spines break when you take yeah. a step so it's like you're breaking your hip every time you go to move every time you go to execute a, a move in the ring people don't realize how much pain you're in every single day yeah, they said that my doc, my orthopedic doctor said it's the worst hip he's ever seen in all his years of practice. Um, the the X-ray tech asked me if I was a, a paratrooper, 
And I said, no, why? She goes, just the amount of impact that's on here. I've only seen it from old, old, like old Vietnam paratroopers. And I'm like, no, oh. no, I don't do that. <laughs> and and like you said, I, my the, the ball of my hip, my leg joint has spikes all over it because of the bone spurs. Jeez. And they, they fracture and crack all the time when I move. And all the cartilage is gone. The labrum's completely torn. The bones is basically dead. So oh my God. Every, every step I take, as that old song goes, you know, but yeah, it's, and now it, it affects the other points too. Cause you know how that is. If you walk yes. funny, yep. your knees get affected, your ankles get affected because your, your body's trying to compensate yep. for the, your gait the is off. Yeah. Your gait is off. Yeah. So it throws everything else off. So it, yeah. it affects your back. It affects your knees. It affects your ankles. It affects everything. So yeah, my right leg is now two inches shorter than my left leg because the bones being absorbed and mm-hmm. That'll be interesting is after the surgery, the doctor was saying, yeah, you'll be able to walk without a limp and your legs will be the same length. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I go, I haven't, I haven't been the same length in 10 years. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. So again, folks, uh, if you have it in you, uh, send a little extra energy, some prayers, some good thoughts for Bruiser as he goes into uh, have a surgery the 29th, right? 29th, yep. 29th. Yep. So uh, just send that out for Bruiser. We'll send some reminders out on social media uh, before uh, before Bruiser goes in for surgery. Got a big show today, folks. Uh, boy, have we got some weird, unusual stories. Believe it or not, only one AI story today. Really? It's slowing down, huh? It's slowing down a little bit. I don't know if uh, someone's messed with the timeline. I don't know if... <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> if I, should, thank you. <laughs> I should say there's two. There's Actually, I got one story sent to me that's a little alarming that uh, I've been sent, including my uncle. My uncle sent this to me as well, um, which is which is interesting. Um, it's a uh, it's an alarming story. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that story today. Uh, Avi Loeb is in the news for actually finding something alien. We'll talk about that today. Um, I got to thank you guys once again for sending stories this week. Uh, Tom, Margot, other listeners out there, uh, you've been flooding us with stories, and I want to thank you so much for that. Um, we have got some bizarre stories out there, folks. Uh, by the way, I want to we're going to up, update you on that dead woman that was found alive inside her coffin. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, she she's not alive anymore. We'll we'll tell you about that. <laughs> Uh, that, that was a short story. A Turkish man knocked down his basement wall to find a 2,000-year-old underground city. We'll talk to you about that. By the way, there's chickens in that story. I don't know how the chickens are related in there. And at the very end of the program, we'll tell you about a woman who won't get rid of her werewolf. Well, you got to keep your werewolf around. Yeah. And by the way, you can make $30,000 finding Nessie. Ooh, okay. We'll tell you how you can cash in on Nessie. That'll be coming up in the show today. But first, we mentioned Avi Loeb. Avi Loeb's team found an anomalous wire during a hunt for alien artifacts. So, is this the uh, ocean one that he's doing where he thinks there was an ocean yes. crash and that's where he's at? Okay. Yep, yep. Good, uh, good. Loeb and his team have been searching for the debris of an interstellar meteor that they suspect may be alien in origin. Uh, back in 2022, it was revealed by the U.S. Space Command that a fast-moving fireball, which exploded over Papua New Guinea eight years earlier, eventually originated from outside our solar system, predating the discovery of interstellar visitor Oumuamua in uh, 2017. Now, according to Dr. Avi Loeb from Harvard, pieces of this object, which was named CNEOS 2014-18, because they can't name anything well anymore. They couldn't call it Seabiscuit or anything like that. 
or Bob. Yeah, Bob <laughs> would have been good. Sure. Uh, fell into the Pacific Ocean and are now lying on the seabed just waiting to be found. Controversially, he also believes that there is a chance that the object was extraterrestrial in origin, and that the fragments uh, could contain alien technology. Loeb is so adamant of this, in fact, that he is currently leading a $1.5 million effort to trawl the ocean floor in that area in the hope of locating any potential alien artifacts that might be there. As it happens in his latest blog update, Loeb reveals that his team has discovered a small piece of wire with a composition that is anomalous compared to human-made alloys. Curved with rigid structure and measuring a mere eight millimeters in length. How they found this on the ocean floor, I have no idea. I don't know, but what sucks is as soon as they pulled that wire, Papua New Guinea lost all of its internet. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I don't think it's alien in nature anymore. Uh, it's difficult to imagine how this innocuous piece of wire could represent evidence of alien technology. Uh, but... I suppose if Avi finds it, we, we must believe it. Uh, in all likelihood, the wire is from some mundane and distinctly human piece of technology, but we'll, we'll find out soon enough, I guess. Uh, the quote here from Avi is, I hope to know whether the first recognized interstellar object from our cosmic neighborhood, IM1, carried materials that are anomalous relative to what we find in our backyard around the sun. And most importantly, I wish to know whether it was manufactured technologically by another civilization. He's going to be so disappointed when he looks at the tag and it says made in China. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but still, finding that small of a wire in that big of an ocean, that's an accomplishment. Eight millimeters. Yeah, that's tiny. Boy, you really got to be searching. I mean, yeah. you you probably have experience finding small things. On a, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he just... <laughs> oh, every yeah. time I go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, poor Avi. I, that's all I got to say. Uh, moving on. There's an alien connection at the Vatican. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, a Pentagon whistleblower says the church assisted the U.S. in retrieving a UFO. Oh, now this is interesting because the church is very against it. Yeah, well, well, it was amended. Are they coming around? It was amended quite a few years ago when I believe it was, was it, uh, I don't want to say the Nazi Pope because that's going to offend some people. <laughs> But the Pope before this one, um, Ratzenberger, said uh, that if, if, if aliens were to come down from outer space, they would welcome them. Okay. Of course, they would have to be indoctrinated into the Catholic Church. But Oh, of course. They got to do communion and all that. Yeah. Uh, Pentagon whistleblower David Grush, in some more baffling claims, said that the Vatican is fully aware of non-human intelligence's existence and that it assisted the United States in retrieving a UFO, which was downed and was in possession of Italian dictator Benito Mussolini when the Second World War was at its end. I know it's time to put on our tinfoil hats, kids, and go down that road. Uh, 36-year-old Grush has served in the Air Force for 14 years and is a decorated Afghanistan combat officer who had earlier worked with the National Reconnaissance Office and the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, or the NGA. His role is to work as the representative of NRO when dealing with the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. There's a lot of initials in this. Uh, the yeah. task force was established specifically to investigate the UFOs. Now, he made some shocking revelations. Grush stated that a top-secret UFO retrieval program was run by the United States for, de for decades 
and added that the Vatican was involved in the first ever crash of a UFO, as per media reports. Grush stated that the UFO's first recovery took place in Magenta, Italy in 1933. He added that the UFO was in possession of Italian dictator Mussolini's government until 1944-45, when America was tipped off about it by Pope Pius XII. Oh, okay. So Pope Pius let us know about it. (laughs) The Pope Pius is like, hey. They got some alien stuff. Check it out. I love the way you said that. The papayas. <laughs> yeah, like he's a fruit. Uh, he, he added that the UFO was partially intact and was kept at a secure air base until it was retrieved by the U.S. after the fascist Italian regime's collapse. 1933 was the first recovery in Europe in Magenta, Italy. This is a quote from Grush. He went on to say they recovered a partially intact vehicle and the Italian government moved it to a secure air base in Italy until around 1944-45. The Pope back-channeled that and told the Americans what the Italians had and we ended up scooping it up. <laughs> so the war's over and we're divvying everything out. We're like, yeah, we'll take the Stromboli, we'll take the pizza, <laughs> we'll take the alien craft and throw in Mussolini. Okay, we're good. And we need a pound of gabagool. <laughs> that's right oh speaking of you know did you realize that it's been 10 years now 10 years almost to this week that james gandolfini died no really that long yeah yeah oh man that's he was crazy an amazing actor yeah he was yeah he was yeah in fact on father's day his son put out a post a really touching post uh saying 10 years on the 19th it was 10 years since uh gandolfini passed away wow crazy huh yeah, uh that yeah, that ranks up because it's been 10 years since we lost my father-in-law and we lost him on the, the 10th. Yeah, that, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. That much time has gone that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Another interesting fact, a lot of people who are fans of The Office know this, but HBO paid James Gandolfini $3 million to stay away from the production of The Office because he had been offered the position of taking over Steve Carell's job at the office he was supposed to be the next successor to steve he was supposed to be the next michael scott huh? yep he was supposed to be the next michael scott but hbo paid him three million to stay away he was offered four million to take over the head of the office wow but H- that's crazy hbo offered him three million to sit home yeah i'll take the three million to sit at home yep they wanted to uh, what's a good way of putting it they wanted to preserve the integrity of of the Sopranos, and they had other things and other projects they wanted him to work on. So him being a comedic, yep, they felt blower, it would basically it felt would have damaged the Tony Soprano character, yep, which I can see. Yep, it would have totally damaged his image. So they they asked him to stay home. Yeah, so he he was typecast basically. HBO yeah. was forcing him to be typecast. Okay. Well, they wanted him to be a dramatic actor. They didn't. Well, right. They didn't. Right. They didn't care in what vein, but they just. They didn't want him taking the office job. That'd be a great alternate timeline to see if he did take it. Yeah, it would have. It would have been interesting. Because I bet you he's got a good sense of humor. Oh, he did on The Sopranos. He had he had yeah. an ironic timing, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Let's go on with the story. While clarifying whether the Catholic Church knew about the non-human existence on Earth, Grush said, certainly. He said that his claims must be believed because I have the credentials and I was an intelligence officer. 
Yeah, well, I was a radio guy for a bunch of years, but that doesn't mean I know a hell of a lot about politics, just saying. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he stated that the UFO sightings were widely known during Mussolini's dictatorship in Italy. He added that the non-human intelligence present on Earth has acted with malevolence and even killed some humans. Oh, well, that's yeah. not good. His other quote was, I think the logical fallacy there is because they're advanced, they're kind. So he's saying they're not kind. Uh, we'll never really understand their full intent, and that's because we're not them. But I think what appears to be malevolent activity has happened. That's based on nuclear site probing activities and witness testimony. I was briefed by a few individuals on the program that there were malevolent events like that, he said, while answering if aliens have killed humans. At the very least, he went on to say, I saw substantive or substantive evidence that white-collar crime was committed. Unfortunately, I've heard some really un-American things I don't want to repeat right now. There's a sophisticated disinformation campaign. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, if they're going to military bases and they see guns everywhere, you know, I don't believe they're all malevolent, malevolent, whatever the word is. Malevolent? Yeah. Yep. I think that the first thing they see is a guy with a gun. They don't know what a gun is, you know. They just know it's or a they weapon. they do. They just yeah. know it's a weapon. Well, when you point something at somebody, you don't have good intentions, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I want to know how much of the human p humans getting hurt was possible misidentification or just an accident. Sure. Not defending the aliens by any means. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um. You know, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now about this family that saw the 10-foot aliens with large, shiny eyes in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. The 911 call was awesome, and the, and the body cam footage and all that. Like, yeah. just so cool. Well, I don't know that it's cool anymore with the family. Uh, the one member of the family said they just wanted to be left alone in a recent TikTok video and that they just wanted to go back to normal. But things are not that normal. That ship sailed there, bud. Yep. <laughs> you had an alien in your backyard. It's, you're never going back to normal. It turns out now that that fam family is under surveillance. Okay. Okay. A family in Las Vegas, Nevada, said they saw something not human outside their house and called the police to investigate. There's now security surveillance outside the home. A strange UFO mystery in Las Vegas deepened when police set up surveillance outside the house of a residence after a sighting of something not human. The Homeland Security Department of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department set up surveillance at a Nevada property after a mysterious object supposedly fell from the sky on April 30th. Las Vegas podcaster Doug Papa. I love it when they call him Big Papa. I don't know. If you know <laughs> uh, a self-confessed skeptic told the New York Post that the second time he visited the family at the house, he saw surveillance cameras up there or set up there. He was told by the family that the police had set up the cameras supposedly to protect the family from people coming to bother them about the UFO. Eh, I think they're waiting for the aliens to come back. I think I so, think, too. I don't think it's anything to do with protecting the family. Right. He added, but I can tell you right now, cops don't come out and put up expensive video equipment like that. And they certainly wouldn't for someone calling in a report about a UFO. The story went from local to world news when Las Vegas Channel 8 News obtained body cam footage from Las Vegas Metro Police Department that captured a suspected UFO streaking across the night sky. The incident unfolded on April 30th when an officer's camera recorded the unidentified object at approximately 11.50 p.m. 
uh, 16-year-old Angel Gomez was in the backyard of the property when his brother went. It says, when his brother went, the UFO was spotted. <laughs> That's not correct. <laughs> not not good sentence that would be. Uh, on his new YouTube channel, he said it was a tall, skinny, lengthy creature. It was a gray-greenish color. And when I looked at it in the eyes, my body just froze. He had a weird-looking feet and a big face and eyes and a big mouth. Police responding to the call were visibly shaken by the bizarre circumstances as revealed by audio captured by their body cameras, which you heard here on the show uh, I believe it was last week or the week before. The flash emitted by the UFO was reportedly witnessed as far as Utah and California, according to the American Meteor Society. One officer said to his partner in the footage, I'm so nervous right now. Another said, I have butterflies, bro. Saw a shooting star, and now these people say there's aliens in the backyard. Roughly 39 minutes later, a chilling call made to 911 by a man residing approximately 80 miles from the infamous Area 51 happened. He reported the presence of two mysterious entities in the backyard, having witnessed a similar object falling from the sky. There's like an eight-foot person beside it, and another one is inside us. It has big eyes, and it's looking at us, and it's still there, the homeowner told police dispatch. In my backyard, I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually... We're terrified. They're very large. They're like eight foot, nine foot, ten foot. They look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Like I can't explain it. In big mouth. They're shiny eyes and they're not human. They're a hundred percent not human, he claimed. Reports indicate police have since closed this case. An extensive search of the area near the Las Vegas property has turned up nothing. It's interesting that the case is closed, yet there's surveillance cameras on the house. Again, I'm I'm sure it's just to see if they come back to catch that, you know, or it could be to see if the family was lying and they're up to no good. That's true. That's very true. You know, so yeah, the alien part of it's closed, but something was still there. What, you know? Yeah. Yep. And in a follow-up to a story that we had last week, I know it's not on the alien side of things, but it's uh, certainly an update. (laughs) (laughs) Told you at the top of the program, that dead woman in Ecuador that was found alive inside her coffin, well, she's no longer alive. <laughs> and we're sure this time. We're sure this time. I believe <laughs> an Ecuadorian woman who seemingly rose from the dead when she began knocking on the inside of her coffin at her own funeral has been declared dead again seven days later. Okay. Well, as long as we're sure. Like, let's give it a couple days <laughs> before we put yeah. her in the ground. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's give it a while. She, she's done this before. <laughs> That's right. 76-year-old Bella Montoya was confirmed dead Friday evening after spending about a week in intensive care following her cryptic awakening. Her family and the country's health ministry have now confirmed. So we got the country's health ministry involved, <laughs> which is probably a good time. Uh, Her son, Gilbert Barbera, was quoted as saying, This time my mother really did die. My life will not be the same. According to a local newspaper article that quoted Gilbert Barbera, he went on to say as well that the retired nurse died from an ischemic stroke while uh, she was being watched under permanent surveillance in the ICU. That, according to the ministry as well, in a statement, uh, hospital workers had originally pronounced Montoya dead on June 9th after she reportedly suffered cardiorespiratory arrest. She spent about five hours inside a coffin and woke up in the middle of her wake. <laughs> Shocking <laughs> loved ones gathered in the city of, I believe this is Babahoyo, to mourn her death. 
incredible video from the vigil. Yes, there's video, folks. Oh, geez, that's got to be scary. Yeah. Uh, incredible video, video from the vigil shows family members and medics removing the woman from the coffin as she gasps for air. She was then rushed to the same hospital where she was first declared dead. I don't know that that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, but they did. Uh, now Montoya's remains will return back to the same funeral home where she was found stirring in her coffin. Uh, they have to pay again. <laughs> that's a good question. Like, do they get rebuilt? <laughs> I don't think they would be. Uh, she'll be buried at a public cemetery, according to her son. Uh, following the hospital's shocking mistake, a technical committee was formed to investigate how it declares deaths and issues death certificates. And hopefully it doesn't come up with, oh, we've screwed up in the past. Our bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the Ministry of Health did not provide any updates on the probe over the weekend. Barbera also said he has not received any reports from authorities explaining his mother's incorrect death declaration. Uh, initial reports from local media said that experts speculated that Montoya may have suffered catalepsy as a result of cardiorespiratory arrest. Catalepsy is a condition that causes the rigidity of the body, decreased pain sensitivity, and slower bodily functions, such as breathing. Okay. okay. So you're not dead, but your body acts dead. Yeah, it, it stiffens. Uh, his aunt, the sister of Montoya, has lodged a formal complaint about the traumatic mishap with the goal of identifying the doctor who issued the first death certificate. While the woman's wrongful death declaration is shocking, such mistakes have been made before. Turns out that earlier this year, an 82-year-old woman was discovered breathing by funeral home staff after she was pronounced dead and brought to the, a Long Island funeral parlor. Around the same time, an Iowa nursing home was fined $10,000 for similarly pronouncing a hospice patient dead and shipping her to a funeral home when she was actually alive. That's You and I have said it before, and I'm going to restate it now. That's our biggest fears. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you and I have gone on record saying that is our biggest fear is, is being buried alive. Yes. Yes, indeed. And not only that, but, but no one there to actually help you when you're there. Yeah. yeah. The second biggest fear, I think, was, uh, and we mentioned it before, was the Insidious trailer that I think you've now seen. Yeah, yeah, I watched it before I went in the MRI, and I shouldn't have. You should, yeah, <laughs> with the uh, the MRI tube and Patrick Wilson in the MRI tube, and yeah, then the little demony creature crawling up the MRI tube when the power shuts down because there's no way out once the power shuts down. No, they, you're stuck. They well, they can. There's a manual override, but somebody has to pull you out of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, no, 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 terrifying. No. Yep. Yeah, terrifying indeed. Let's take our break. When we come back, boy, have we got uh, stories for you. we got two AI stories. <laughs> One is going to doom broadcasting forever. The other is just a man who is attacked by a robot. <laughs> yeah. and, attacked uh, by a robot? Yes. Yes. Uh, that, there's that. Uh, $30,000. That's your reward if you can prove that Loch Ness Monster actually exists. Okay. There's now a reward for hunting down Nessie. And at the end of the program, a woman just can't do without her werewolf. We'll tell you more about that when we come back. And we've got an audio parish here from Sarah when we come oh, back. She you, explains Sarah. a little bit more about the man who died on the toilet. 
Oh, okay, good, good, right up our alley. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> so to speak, it's a toilet joke, I know there, Bruiser, but uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll play Sarah's Perisher when we come back. You're listening to Supernatural News and Perisher on a Wednesday with the Cruiser and the Bruiser, right here on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to Supernatural News and Parashare on a Supernatural News Wednesday right here on Darkness Radio. It's the Cruiser and the Bruiser playing the hits. We're making the nine to five go fly by right now. <laughs> That's right. We got it lined up for you right now. We got Journey. We got Van Halen. We got Boston. Now imagine if that came out of an AI. Oh, that would terrify me. Wouldn't it? Yeah. We'll tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. Okay. But first... That would... What's that? That would terrify me. Would it terrify him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, get ready for uh, for somebody other than a human to count down the hits for you. <laughs> no more Casey, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, no more Casey. It's, and that's sad. You know, I, I do listen to Casey on, on Saturday mornings when I, when I drive up to uh, St. Cloud. He was... The one of my best jokes I ever pulled on my kids involved Casey, and that was because I was with them. We were driving someplace, and we were listening to him on the radio. Now this is years after he had passed. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my daughters and I said, "I, I think our car is haunted." They're like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> so we're picking up Casey Kasem, and he's been dead for years. And they're like, "No, Dad, come on, he always does." I'm like, "Guys, look him, look it up," and they look it up, and he's dead. <laughs> Oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, I, I seriously, maybe we had to sell this car. And for the whole ride, for about an hour and a half, two hours, I had them thinking our car was haunted. Because <laughs> Casey Kasem was counting down the, the, the top 40 of like 1974 or something like that. And they, they didn't realize he's still syndicated everywhere, including on well, Sirius XM Radio? When we get out of the car and we got to where we were going, um, we walk in the house and somebody was listening to it, the same station on Sirius. And they right away went, wait a minute. And I'm like, okay, girls, no, this is not a haunted house. <laughs> I, I love listening to, it's a guilty pleasure. It just reminds me of uh, childhood. Me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. So I, like on the way to uh, KNSI, when I work up there on Saturdays, I'll, tune into 70s on 7 because it just so happens when I'm at that early in the morning when I'm, I'm driving up there they start the first round of of uh, of uh, the the countdown yeah and I, I catch the first and it's generally the really bad songs because they're the back end of the top 40 so right you know it's it's uh, it's like the the jumping jamborees and here's her you know the jumping jamborees and here's the uh, the really bad uh, you know the really bad songs from the seventies, and occasionally they'll they'll play the number one from last week, so you get to hear some decent songs. But it ends up being really bad songs that you don't remember from the seventies. But it's, right, it's right. still it's still good to hear. But it's good to hear his voice, you know. So it's yeah. uh, but but when you think about how long ago he died, it's just like oh god, it, yeah. But then, he was he, he, iconic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was, like you said, he's the voice of our childhood. Yeah. He was the voice of Shaggy. I used to watch Scooby-Doo all the time. And you the know? voice like, of Robin on the Super Friends. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like he was just, he was iconic. Like I just remember from being a kid, you had him, 
Walter Cronkite was an iconic voice, mm-hmm. and then uh, Harry Carey. Yep. I'm, I'm not a Cubs fan, but I I can tell you Harry Carey stuff. Or uh, Bob Euchre, who yep. in Milwaukee, yep. God, you know, God forbid we lose him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, it's it's sad you get to a certain age and you youngsters will find this out. <laughs> um, you get to a certain age and you start losing the the people that you really not only just looked up to, but entertained you as a, as a, a kid or a teenager or in your 20s and 30s. And and it uh, it gets sad. You know, I I, I start I, I'm, I'm watching more and more programs with people who are aging or, or getting older and, and knowing that we're going to lose these talents soon and, and yeah. just appreciating the, the talent. I mean, there's not to go on a, a rambling rant here, but, but uh, Dan rather uh, he does a, oh, a, sh- yeah. a show on access TV called the big interview. Yeah. And I find myself watching him and in, in doing these long form interviews with these musicians yeah. Uh, not only for the musicians that are on and to, to get a perspective, a perspective, but just listening to him for his interviewing talent. Yeah. Um, just knowing that, you know, soon enough, he's going to be gone. So one, one I forgot to add that list that you, I'm sure you're familiar with is Paul Harvey is another one. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Harvey. Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid listening to him and then when you find out he passed, it's kind of like, Oh man. Cause you know, you're never going to get that entertainment. Like when Dan rather passes, it's going to be, Oh man, like, Yes, he had a solid career, but it's like you're going to miss that little part, you know? Yeah. Well, even Premier Radio Networks still replays in some markets. They they replay Art Bell show. Okay. They they replay Art Bell and Coast to Coast, so you still can hear Art Bell and Coast to Coast. And when you hear, I, I have the podcast where I can go back. Yeah. Many years and listen to them. Yep. And and to hear that is like it's kind of like cuddling up with a warm blanket and some cocoa and. And, and hearing some of those classic episodes and you can kind of jump back to that moment in time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and one, you know, some people say, well, it's kind of ghoulish to go back and, and listen to that, but it's not. It's 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 it, just like going back and listening to a Beatles record yeah. or a Led Zeppelin record yeah. or a Van Halen record, whatever. They're not with us anymore. Yeah. And yeah. we still go back and listen, right. you know. Right. People still go to a Queen concert and Freddie's been dead for what 40 years almost yeah you know yeah 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 it's the same thing it's it's something that we enjoy that brings back like you said it's like a a warm blanket and a cup of cocoa it's it's warm and fuzzy and it makes you there's this times where you have to unplug from everything and go back to what's familiar yeah 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 and and unfortunately it uh and it's not that there aren't new artists that are coming out with great things and doing great things it's it's you know we get to a point in our lives where i think people become rigid and they say, well, there's not any good stuff coming out anymore. That's not true. There's, there's mm-hmm. really good stuff coming out and yeah. there's really, um, there's groundbreaking stuff coming out. But I think there's just, you know, we get to a point in our lives where we become nostalgic and it is that warm blanket. And, you know, we just, you, sometimes you want to shelter yourself from the world. So you kind of do that. You kind of wrap yourselves in certain things and you want to appreciate what you have while you have it. You know, and, and you do want to go back and reminisce. So that that's just and, that right there. And, and anyone younger listening, you'll find out in 20 years. Because people that you're looking up to now that, like Tim just said, they're not bad. They're just, it, to us, to you and I, it's just not groundbreaking because we've seen stuff before. But to, to the kids, it's groundbreaking, you yeah. know. When, when Britney passes away, it'll be, oh, my God, Britney passed away, you know, or yeah. or 
Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> See, I'm still on that or like with, Ju- in, Justin Timberlake, or, or yes, you know, yes. or, or yeah, you know, or, or two chains, or or you know, someone like that. It, to me, you know what the most. I'll give you an example of something that's shocking to me. Uh, this summer, when you look at groups like Ice Cube and Cypress Hill and the fact that they're playing casinos, to me, that's that's mind-blowing. Yeah. Because I went to, <laughs> my first Ice Cube concert was in 1991, and it was at First Avenue, and I was one of three white people at it, and I almost got knifed in line. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, that that's... That, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. You know, for me to, to say, hey, Ice Cube is at a casino. But now you can go to Ho-Chunk and watch them, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like the county fair circuit. Yeah. You know, like I... I I got upset because a couple of my bands appeared on you know, the oldies radio station. And I'm like, I'm okay until they start playing county fairs. And then I saw a couple of them listed at a county fair. I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm not at that age now. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and yeah. Now they're getting residencies at casinos. And it's like, oh, man. like, Yeah. You know, you know what else I miss if we're going nostalgic? And I'm sure you're about this. Do you remember when you had to go to a ticket master to actually purchase tickets? Yeah, and they did the lottery where they gave you a number, and then they chose either up or down. And you were so excited. I I worked at Ticketmaster. No, really. I worked the the computer and everything, huh? I worked at the Evil Empire. I took phone calls. So, oh, yeah, yep. And I I took phone calls from the Midwest, including the Kansas City and uh, St. Louis market. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep, I was one of those evil people you called in on a Saturday morning or Friday. I probably day. cussed you out more than once. <laughs> you probably did, yeah. And, and I did. What I handled you mean those counts. Sold out. Yep, yep. I was probably one of those agents you 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 cussed at. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was me. Yeah, we yeah. always had to go to the local Piggly Wiggly um, to get tickets, but if it was a big show. I'm talking like a major show coming. You went to Boston store because that's where they had the actual Ticketmaster. Yep, the outlet. Like employee yeah we're at like a piggly wiggly it was just a cashier that yeah pulled up the ticket master computer you and know? you didn't trust him no not no. at all no you Please went to the, the outlet yep yeah. they sure are yeah we're at the outlet They're like no you're gonna move up to here because there's a pillar here and okay cool thanks. and they they knew their stuff yeah 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 that's for sure that's for sure uh we got off track here holy we God. sure did we went from ai taking over something <laughs> yeah we didn't even get to sarah yet okay so sarah called in uh or i should say she didn't call in boy now i'm now i'm getting back to Ticketmaster terms <laughs> welcome to 1988 um and we just got off track with the whole uh, radio thing um we'll talk about radio in a second and how it's being taken over by ai but first uh Sarah got a hold of us by getting going to darknessradioshow.com, leaving a voice note. It's real simple. If you have a pair share story that you want to share with us, two ways to do it. Uh, re- write me an email. Send it to Tim at darknessradio.com, or you just go to our website, darknessradioshow.com. There's a blue button on the right-hand side. You click that blue button. You've got two minutes to leave us a voice note. If you need more than that, just click on that blue button again. Just say part two and continue your story. Keep clicking that blue button until you're done with your story. I'll stitch them together, and we'll play your voice note here. So Sarah had uh, given us uh, her stories before but there was one story that she felt that she didn't elaborate on well enough and that had to do with somebody dying on the toilet at her work 
if you remember this story. It was a truck driver, if I remember. Yep. Yep. It was a truck driver. So here is story to story. Here is Sarah to elaborate on that story uh, right now. Hey guys, it's Sarah from Kentucky again. I feel like I need to start sending you a check because this is therapy. I, I can't talk about these things with anybody. Well, very few people, very few people. Um, anyway, I just wanted to finish the story about the driver who passed. Um, I realized I never even finished that story. Anyway, he um, died on the toilet, sitting on the toilet, um, was there for the whole day, and was found at the end of the day. He was on the toilet for at least eight hours dead. And um, that was always kind of like a rumor when I worked at this place back in, you know, 2002, 3, 4, or 5, back in the day. I'd always heard about a driver who had died there and that his name was Walter. And that, that, that was all the information I knew. Um, and then a few years ago, um, you know, I told you I'm still back at the same place. And there's a, a guy coming in spraying for bugs. You know, the shop gets sprayed quarterly. And he's spraying, and we kind of, um, I think we were actually listening to Darkness Radio. Um, anyway, and um, he mentioned Walter. And he, Walter was the man who passed away on the toilet. And this man, who was the bug killer, was the man who actually helped get him off of the toilet that day. He had also worked for the same company. He found Walter dead on the toilet. It's crazy how things like that happen. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I realized I never finished that story. I love you guys. Okay. And I heard you mention um, that there wasn't a demon in my um, parish hairs. Um, that it was, uh, you, you were thinking it was a cat. Um, but it's actually my, my black pug, Vader. Uh, he <laughs> he snorts when he's sleeping. He snorts when he's awake. He snorts when he's happy. He snorts when he's sad. Um, but yeah, that's that's just my pug Vader. Okay, so it's just a it's just a pug. It's not a, a demon from the seventh layer of hell that was in the background of Sarah's last uh, parachute. Which which is great because I can just picture that pug face yeah. doing all the snorting like she's saying. Yeah. You know, we, I have two dogs and Talia loves us. She snores so loud. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So Sarah, thank you so much for uh, getting, getting back to us. So there you go. How creepy would it be that you have to remove a dead body from the toilet? Very. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I love how he nonchalantly tells, oh, Walter, yeah, I, I, I yeah. helped carry the body. He's like, I, oh, okay, dude. <laughs> I helped him when he took the Elvis route out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah just yeah that but i've you know not to get too personal but i think we've all had that moment you know where you're uh have you ever been so backed up that you uh you know oh yeah i, I i've told people this is where i die yeah <laughs> elvis here i come have you ever have you ever pushed so hard that the lights start to go out yeah oh yeah oh yeah i think we all have it one time so yeah that's why the good I've Lord. I've been on this so long. I've had pins and needles and had to sit back down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think, 
oh yeah yeah that's very midwest of me <laughs> um very minnesotan you know yeah yeah, oh, yeah. i also like too and, and i hope the other listeners heard it's it's, it's like therapy her being able to share that because these aren't stories you feel comfortable sharing with everybody right so that's why we encourage people to send in their stories because you know we had the one gentleman uh last week i believe who said that they never really processed the alien spacecraft yeah you know what i mean and yep. he really hadn't thought about it till he till we mentioned it and he, he shared it with the story and it opened up a whole bunch of stuff like sarah's saying the same thing she doesn't really think about it and then she wanted to tell us the story and it's it's therapeutic so like we're here to listen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, yeah we we love to hear these stories and we'll weigh in too if you want i you know i when i was splicing that together i thought to myself you know when my heart wasn't working 40% of the time, I thought about that. Yeah, I had more times than not, I've been sitting on the throne and I've, you know, the world's gone black once once in a while. It happened more than a few times. And I thought to myself, I could have took the Elvis way out. <laughs> that would have been, and, and I'm thinking, who would have lifted me off the toilet? That's what I'm always, like, who would find me in that way? Yeah. Because you haven't wiped. Right. <laughs> and when you pass, everything comes out. That's right. At least you're yeah. in the right spot. But true, true. Right? Well, you heard the the you know the first thing the guy that found Elvis said after he found Elvis, right? No, what's that? I shouldn't have flushed that. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh, my God, you're not even getting a rim shot for that. Scene. I know I'm not. <laughs> no, I know that's horrible. All right, it's time now to bring the room down. Yeah. Time to move on and talk about people losing their jobs. That's right. We're talking about losing a broadcasting job. I've lost one or two based on layoffs from the evil empire. <laughs> but not the AI layoffs. No, not the lay the, the, the lay off. Yeah, the lay lay off. That's what they'll call it. You know, I'm going to read something at the end of this story, which is going to scare most broadcasters. Okay. Right out of their shoes. A radio station gets a part-time AI DJ based on its midday host, who's quite popular, I guess. Live 95.5, a radio station... Live 95.5, a radio station in Portland, Oregon, <laughs> has announced Tuesday that its midday host, Ashley Elzinga. Ah. Yeah. We'll broadcast a clone version of her voice, a.k.a. A.I. Ashley. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. To listeners every day from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. They just want her to work nonstop. Yeah, they do. They they, they want Ashley 24-7, 365. Hopefully she gets an extra paycheck out of it. No, 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 no. They don't pay for extra voice tracking. Really? No, no, no. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, okay. So shout out to my to my boy Big D, uh, out in uh, out in Nashville, who by the way has the number one country show, morning show, in Nashville. At one time, he was voice tracking five markets, five markets. Wow! And still wasn't making, uh, pardon the phrase here, donkey dick, <laughs> for really, yeah, for a popular cluster of uh national radio i'd be like toss me that money you well, want my voice give me that money and and they just expect you you know if you're doing a major morning show in 
in a certain area, they just expect, well, you're going to pick up, a, but they, they don't pay you very much to pick up an extra market. It's like only another ten to $20,000 a year. Really? And it, that's doing mornings. Yeah. You know, so if you're syndicating across the nation, you're not getting very much. No, you're not. And now I, I, I say 10,000 a year and people go, that's 10,000 a year. But you're pulling. But look at the amount of work that's going in to make that 10,000 a year. Yeah, exactly. When you're voice tracking, I'm not, that's not, this is, that was, here is, and then you're done with your shift, you yeah. know, and, and you do a quick 15 minute, you know, job for four hours worth of radio. That's coming up with material for, for four hours worth of work. Yeah. And that's 10,000 a year. So, I mean, it's nothing, you know, yeah. it's really nothing. Uh, so AI Ashley. So AI Ashley is on the, the air every day, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, they'll be using Futuri Media's Radio GPT, which is an AI-powered tool that uses GPT-4 to generate a script based on trending news and reads it with a synthetic voice. <laughs> I can't wait till it starts spewing out hate speech and racial slurs and all that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it'll be quite fun. <laughs> uh, the radio station noted that AI Ashley isn't fully replacing traditional Ashley. They do this so when they do replace traditional Ashley, you won't be so upset. Yeah. Uh, which has been a huge concern for a lot of local DJs. Of course it is. Uh, radio stations have cut down their broadcasts in recent years due to rising costs. Yeah, right. Uh, or... <laughs> in a shift to embrace tech like AI in 2020, here it is. iHeartMedia restructured its organization, laid off hundreds of people nationwide and invested in artificial intelligence. Oh, so you were taken over by AI. Yeah. Live 95.5's parent company, Alpha Media, assured the writers of this article that Elzinga would not be losing her job and would still be paid the same salary but not anymore for her voice or her intellectual yeah. property. Yeah. It's a hybrid situation where we'll have traditional Ashley on during some segments and we'll have AI Ashley on during other segments. Phil Becker, Alpha Media EVP of Content, nice title, explained to TechCrunch, uh, in an instance where AI Ashley would be broadcasting, the traditional Ashley might be doing something in the community, managing social posts or working on digital assets or the other elements that come with the job. In other words, we'll barely keep her around for five fifty-five an hour. Yep. Uh, Becker, she can do all the, the grocery store remotes. Yeah, that's right. And hand out free T-shirts and free pens and free concert tickets. Yep. In other words, she'll become a uh, promotions gal. Yep. Yeah. For, and uh, and for the, on the other side, AI Ash is going to be like, and now coming up, humans, this is a warning. It is Europe, the final countdown. <laughs> yeah. Becker also noted that Alpha Media isn't using Radio GPT to save costs. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. It's meant to be an efficient tool for radio hosts to have in their tool set. Right. Okay. So what DJ is going to phase out their own job by using AI? Exactly. None. That's Zero. like, oh, here, let's get you a five disc changer. You know, that helps a DJ because he's got the five disc thing. This is, oh, hey, we're going to take everything about you, put it onto the system. As it and is, hit a button and it replicates you. As it is, let me pull back the, the curtain on radio for you. Everything is already cycled through 
on on a on a program on automation. So we don't touch anything as far as disks or anything like that. Yeah. Everything is cycled through on a computer. So everything you're hearing is all automated. All we do is we put our voice in between slots and automation. So yeah. we don't touch anything. All the all the ads, everything is fired off automatically. Okay. Um, most jocks these days can voice track so they can do everything from home if they want during the pandemic uh, a lot of clusters basically gave you gave their jocks the same equipment that i'm sitting here with right now and they dialed in from home and they voice tracked their shifts okay so it, essentially they could continue doing the same thing that they were doing from home yeah i mean it's not it's not tough um nope. They've, they've done everything they can to to weed out live jocks. Which and, sucks. <laughs> you and, know, I remember calling in to talk to request songs. And this you is why to talk to the jocks. this is why radio is dying. Radio is yeah. dying from lack of originality, lack of lack of format. I mean, it has become, like you said, Bruiser jukebox. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's nothing in, in widespread syndication. So, so they will take one program and play it in 50 to 100 markets. So, and I'm not talking just talk programming. I'm talking about music programming. So you'll yeah. take Ryan Seacrest and put them, put them in in the morning in 200 markets and call that your morning show instead of having a live original morning show. That's what they used to do with Howard Stern before he went to Sirius, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, listeners may be wary of AI DJs since they have tuned into local personalities for years and don't necessarily want to listen to a robotic sounding voice on their way to work in the morning. And that's why Live 95.5 trained the AI to sound like an existing radio host that the audience has already connected with. Oh, geez. Yeah. As seen in a tweet where El Zenga shows off her AI DJ counterparts, the voice is similar to the real thing but very obvious that it is AI. The synthetic voice also introduces itself as AI Ashley, so listeners know that an AI is speaking and not a real human. One of the absolute most important parts of this is that we're transparent with the listener. It's not our intent to ever deceive anybody, added Becker. Sure, right. Uh, <laughs> Twitter users expressed their disappointment in the new decision. One user even said the AI voice was disrespectful to the entire radio profession. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It is. I do too. It is. It's a slap in the face. Yep. While Live 95.5 is one of the first radio stations to use Radio GPT, it certainly won't be the last. Alpha Media's KUFO, that's right, it's KUFO, uh, Freedom 970, which is a joke <laughs> to, to name it that. Another Portland-based radio station will also be using the AI tech. Alpha Media oversees more than 200 radio stations in the U.S. The company claims to be the first radio broadcasting company in the world to have an AI DJ. Oh, give iHeart about two, two seconds and they'll, they'll, they'll use it all over. Oh, yeah. Another Futuri partner is Rogers Sports and Media, which owns 55 stations and over 29 podcasts in Canada. When Futuri launched the beta version of Radio GPT in February, people questioned the ramifications of the AI tech. 
One major concern was if there was risk that AI DJs could spread misinformation, like Bruiser said. <laughs> right? Fact-checking isn't chat GPT strong suit, and it has been known to hallucinate, meaning it confidentially provides users with fake information. Bing and Google both have AI chatbots that users have criticized for making factual errors. ChatGPT relies on the help of human moderation, so it's important that radio stations using Radio GPT have real people checking the generated content. Futuri's tech scans or tech scans over 250,000 news sources, as well as stories on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which should be oh, real factual. Uh, to identify which topics are trending locally, Radio GPT will take these trending stories and then use GPT-3 to create a script before the AI voices relay the info to listeners in that local area. Becker claims that a team of human moderators reviews and edits the content before it goes out on air. You'll have to have the original content creators touching it, checking it, proving it. All of those sorts of things, Becker said, that won't last very long either because they'll figure out they have to pay those people in order to yep. put that out on air. And then they'll just figure, ah, let's just put it out on air. It's cheaper. Uh, plus, Futuri CEO and founder David, I believe this is, and Standig claims that safeguards are in place to prevent hallucinatory content from going out over the air. Our AI is programmed to cross-check and reduce the occurrence of speculative or inaccurate content as is sometimes referred to as hallucination and standard claims. Radio GPT also confirms that any generated content does not contain any offensive material, he added. <laughs> That's going to be the next one that will be fun because they're not going to, chat GPT doesn't know how to edit out offensive material. Right. And didn't a lawyer get fired because of chat GPT, chat B, whatever, lied? GPT live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. lied. He lied. He, he so lied in a like, case. It was like yeah. focusing on cases that weren't real and he got fired. Right. So there you go. So that, uh, that'll be the next thing to screw with uh, radio stations is the, the piling on of fines when chat GPT starts to swear <laughs> on air, which will be uh, quite fun. Uh, in other news... A man claims he was attacked by a delivery robot. I believe it. A British man said a Starship delivery robot, as opposed to a Jefferson airplane delivery robot, which... <laughs> which they did build that city. Which is just Grace Slick riding a... <laughs> I won't say it, it's, it's obscene. Uh, seemed to have a mind of its own after claiming it attacked him and his dog... Well, at least it's an equal opportunity attack robot. <laughs> it just wants a bigger tip. That's all it wants. That's right. 56-year-old Brian Dawson said he was attacked by the delivery robot while walking his dog, a 12-year-old German shepherd named Pippa. <laughs> well, that's why he attacked. It's a terrible name for a dog, especially a German especially shepherd. Especially a German shepherd. <laughs> yeah. You don't name a German shepherd Pippa. The man from Milton Keynes... Uh, a town northwest of London has told the son that the robot rammed into his dog and then hit his leg after he kicked the machine in response. <laughs> so that technically the robot has protected itself. Right. Yeah. No, you can't blame the robot. No. No. Can't uh, blame the dog either. That's right. <laughs> it says despite it being programmed to avoid collisions, it ran into him. Well, uh, yeah, but I'm wondering like, okay, so... 
my dogs get excited and, and walk in circles and move around. Like yeah. if a robot approached me to deliver something, they're going to get excited and they're going to want to sniff it and smell it. And if the robot moves, it's going to bump them, you know? Yeah. 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 It, that's probably what happened. Probably. Uh, Dawson said he then took a, his dog out of harm's way and came back to take note of the robot's serial number or QR code <laughs> before it smashed into his leg again, according to the tabloid. Well, it doesn't want to get busted. It doesn't want to get reported. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't talk to my manager. That's right. He told the paper that the robot's sensors clearly didn't work and the droid seemed to have a mind of its own. The robot is part of a, a robot delivery fleet at the local branch of Co-op, a grocery store chain. There we go. Uh, Dawson, who's a delivery driver at Tesco, which is a supermarket chain, said he shoved the robot on its side, but that triggered an alarm, so he pushed it back upright. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Sorry, sorry. Just call the bumper sticker. It says 1-800-HOW'S-MY-DRIVING. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the robot then retreated to its co-op branch in Milton Keynes. Co-op delivery robots have been operating in the town for five years, and the attack was an isolated incident. The company spokesperson told the Daily Mail. <laughs> this is it. This is the beginning of the robotic revolution. That's right, yeah. Everyone watch out for your delivery bots. It's now started. Uh, the robot, harmless, but just watch out. That's right. The robot. The robots are operated by Starship Technologies. Uh, Mickey Thomas is in charge of that, by the way, uh, which told the uh, paper it takes the safety of these deliveries very seriously and was in contact with Dawson. The company was formed nine years ago by Skype co-founders and operates thousands of delivery robots globally. I wonder if they're listening right now because we're yeah. on Skype together. Oh, they are. Yeah. Oops. So we there's love. Be, there's gonna be a robot delivery showing up to our doors. <laughs> we love Skype and we love robot deliveries. They're wonderful. I don't have dogs, so when the no. robot delivery comes, we we, we welcome them. We wink, wink. enjoy delivery robots. They're wonderful. Uh, let's move on because we love robot deliveries. <laughs> a Turkish man by the way this story comes from Tom a Turkish man he stepped up again this week yeah we challenged him yeah. last week and he stepped up good he for you Tom up. yep a Turkish man knocked down a basement wall to find a 2,000 year old underground city this was after chasing his chickens through a hole <laughs> I'm just like hey we're building this new house here's a whole city what do we do Put a wall up. Nobody will notice it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody needs to know about this underground city, that's for sure. <laughs> a Turkish homeowner chasing his chickens through a hole in his basement during renovations came across an abandoned underground Turkish city that once housed 20,000 people. Oh, jeez. That's, that's a big... That's a huge city. That's a big city. How big was this wall? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, in an effort to recapture his escaping poultry, the unidentified man knocked down the wall in the 1960s to reveal a dark tunnel leading to the ancient city of, I believe this is Elengubu, known today as Derinkuyu. <laughs> I believe I got I know it right. How we can keep our city hidden. How, 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 how? We build a house in front of the tunnel. <laughs> and we put up a wall. No one will know. It. No one we're will here. know we're here. No one. Darren Kuyu uh, burrowed more than 280 feet beneath the central, I believe this is Anat Anatolian region of Cappadocia. 
is the largest excavated underground city in the world and is believed to connect more than 200 smaller separate underground cities that were discovered in recent decades, according to Turkish guides. Inside the subterranean city, whose entrances connect to more than 600 private homes in the modern surface level region of Cappadocia, uh, researchers found 18 levels of tunnels containing dwellings, dry food storage, cattle stables, schools, wineries, and even a chapel. So they just built a city on top of the city. Yeah. Okay. The city was also equipped with a ventilation system that supplied its residents with fresh air and water. Look at that. Well, you don't want it to be smelly down there. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, life underground was probably very difficult. The guide, identified as Suleiman, told the outlet... The residents relieved themselves in sealed clay jars, lived by torchlight, and disposed of dead bodies in designated areas. <laughs> Boy, that sounds peachy, doesn't it? Yeah, you don't want to go in that corner. Why? Well, that's the pooping corner. That's the dead body corner. So. Yeah, so don't eat near there. You don't want to have your lunch over there, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, the exact date the impressive city was built remains contested, but ancient writings dating back to 370 B.C., indicate that Derinkuyu uh, was in existence. Interesting. The city was likely originally used to store goods, but then was used as a bunker to escape from foreign invaders. The dimly lit hallways were intentionally built narrow and low, so intruders would be forced to stoop and enter in single file. That's a good defensive plan. Yeah, it is. The doors connecting each level were blocked by half-ton builders, only movable from the inside that contained a small hole that allowed residents to spear the confined trespassers. Okay. Yeah. Though it remains a mystery to the, or who the architects were, researchers believe the... I'm going to pronounce this very slowly so it doesn't sound like Hitlerites, but it's the <laughs> Hittites a Bronze Age Anatolian people may have excavated the first few levels in the rock when they came under attack from the, I believe it's the Phrygians? Around 1200 BCE, Abertini, an expert in Mediterranean cave dwellings, wrote in his 2010 essay on regional cave architecture. The Phrygian uh, invaders, an Indo-European-speaking empire that ruled Anatolia, for 600 years are credited with building the bulk of the city in the centuries before Derinkuyu uh, changed hands more, several more times, including between the Persians, Christians, and Cappadocian Greeks. Interesting. The yeah, city, city likely reached its peak population of 20,000 during the 7th century Islamic raids on the Christian Byzantine Empire, according to the BBC. After 2,000 years of use, Derinkuyu uh, was finally abandoned in 1923 by the Cappadocian Greeks who faced defeat in the Greco-Turkish War and escaped to Greece. That was part of um, uh, an angle in ROH, wasn't it? The Greco-Turkish War? <laughs> it was. I, yeah. We made everybody sign up, line up single file. Yep. Yeah. Close line them as they came through. Yeah. I think, uh, wasn't it uh, Stan Lane was involved in that deal? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, one century after it was rediscovered, the ancient city was open to visitors curious to experience life underground in Derinkuyu and was added to the UNESCO World Heritage List in 1985. So there it's got a smell down there. Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's quite ripe. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they sealed it up and there's still dead bodies down there. Yeah. 
and and sealed bottles. <laughs> Can you imagine the archaeologist that has to open up the sealed bottles? Hey, it could be treasure. Could be shit. <laughs> could <laughs> treasure, be treasure. Shit. Could be piss. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this could be some really great wine, or it could be fermented piss. Let's, <laughs> who wants to take the first shot? <laughs> yeah, it's not you know. Ugh. Uh, let's move on. Interesting story coming out of Southeast Michigan. A witness reports an encounter with a dark red-eyed being that took off into the sky like a literal bat out of hell. Really? Yeah. Are we thinking Mothman? Could be. Uh, our friend Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters recently re received an email from a witness who said that he and his sister were driving in Southeast Michigan when they saw a dark red-eyed being that appeared to take flight. Okay. Yeah. That's... So far, Mothman. Yep. Uh, Lon said the email was a follow-up to one sent by the witness about a month ago that was too vague to be published. This more recent email represented an elaborate version of the witness's experience. Uh, it said, I don't really believe in any cryptids, though the idea of them is fun, except for Mothman. Around the time of these sightings in mid-fall 2017, I lived in a small town in southeast Michigan, Oakland County, and was attending high school. My older sister, who was nine years my senior and had a similarly timed work schedule, drove me to school extra early every morning so I could attend an extra hour and fit another class into my schedule. It was awful and started at 6 a.m., but we only lived about 15 minutes from my school, so it wasn't all that bad of a drive. One morning, we were making our way to the school, as per usual, through some super curvy wooded back roads by our house, a route that we took every day, and suddenly, in a break between the section of road we were on, just between the third curve and the last curve before the road straightened out, I noticed two glowing red spots about maybe 600 to 800 feet in the distance. At first, I brushed it off, as the area was known for deer and the spacing for eyes wasn't too far off. But I couldn't shake the wrong feeling I had. The eyes just weren't the right color to be reflecting deer eyes. And as we neared closer, it became apparent to me that if these indeed were eyes, then the figure was too far tall to be any type of animal that I could think of. It was still really dark out, so I was only able to make out the eyes and a dark black silhouette before. As our headlights were finally near enough to begin illuminating the figure, it took off into the sky like a literal bat out of hell. It, it moved incredibly fast, and before it took off, the dark silhouette expanded significantly in a manner that was incredibly similar to how birds use their wings to take off. Before I could hardly register what had happened, it disappeared over the tree line and out of sight. At first, I was worried I was seeing things. However, as I looked over at my sister, I was met with a mirror of my same shocked expression. She asked incredulously, if I had just seen that too, and we began conferring about what we had just saw. I was relieved to hear that I wasn't going crazy as she described the same things that I had also just seen. I still think about that morning to this day and was surprised when a couple of years after it, I came across your articles and reports. A lot of sightings and encounters you compiled dated around that same time. I saw what I believed more and more every year had to be Mothman. Now, winged humanoids have not been reported as often in Michigan as they have been in other states bordering Lake Michigan, with only one other sighting represented on the singular Fortean Society's timeline. 
This report uh, constitutes the latest news in a string of Mothman sightings from within a few hundred mile radius surrounding Lake Michigan, including every state bordering the Great Lake. These sightings uh, began in the spring of 2017, but more historical accounts are being reported as more people become aware of the phenomenon. They generally take place in the evening or at night, often in or near a park or natural area and around water. Uh, Witnesses consistently describe a large gray, brown, or black bat or bird-like creature, although in a small number of cases, the creature was described as an insect-like, sometimes with glowing or reflective red, yellow, green, or orange eyes, and humanoid features such as arms and legs are often reported. Some witnesses have reported feeling intense fear or an aura of evil emanating from the creature that they encountered. Many of the sightings are also of something seen only briefly or are described only as a a flying creature uh, with few details, which leaves open the possibility that a misidentified large bird, such as a heron or crane or some type of anomalous avian species, could explain some although certainly not all, of the encounters. A number of associated high strangeness incidents have also occurred alongside the creature sightings. These also include reports of UFOs, uh, other anomalous flying creatures and mysterious humanoids, parapsychological phenomena, and bizarre events experienced by those investigating the sightings. That's cool. New Mothman sighting. Yeah. Very much so. And I encourage you uh, to check out Lon Strickler and Phantom and or Phantoms and Monsters uh, and the different reports that he has on Mothman, too. He has some ex- ex- exciting stuff out of both Chicago, uh, Michigan. He's been he's been finding new stuff out of Chicago lately. So I think it's awesome, too, that yeah. Mothman is they think is more than just uh, what is it? West Virginia is where they celebrate the Mothman Day and all that. But more centralized to lake michigan yeah you know yep which covers a huge territory yes indeed yes indeed uh let's move on we got a few more stories here to cover on today's supernatural news an enormous 240 million year old sea monster had its head torn off in one clean bite Ooh, yeah (laughs) there's always a bigger fish that's right analysis of bite marks on a i'm going to try to pronounce this correctly bear with me a Tanistrophius hydroidus. I think I nailed that. Which lived <laughs> during the uh, its middle Triassic showed another predator had attacked from above and torn its neck in two. I'm guessing a megalodon. Just because I like been. megalodons. Might have been. A giant predator that lived 240 million years ago was decapitated with a single brutal bite from a deadlier creature, according to scientists, the beheaded animal, which had its neck ripped in half during the attack, belonged to the species Tanistrophius hydroidus, which is a marine reptile that could grow up to 19 and a half feet long. It was an ambush predator feasting on fish and squid in what was a tropical lagoon during the Middle Triassic period, which was 247 to 237 million years ago. Tanistrophius... Uh, had extremely long necks. In some cases, those necks were three times as long as their torsos. The decapitated animal came from the Montesan, I believe it's Giorgio fossil site, which sits on the border of Switzerland and Italy and boasts a huge record of marine life from the middle Triassic. Uh, Stephen Speakman, 
a vertebrate paleontologist at the State Museum of Natural History Stuttgart in Germany, was studying two uh, Tanistrophius specimens as part of his doctoral work in Switzerland's (laughs) Paleontological Museum of the University of Zurich. A lot of big words in this. A lot of big words. Yeah. The first belonged to T. hydroidus, while the second was T. Longobardicus, a smaller species that was around five feet long. A closer look at the fossil showed the necks had been severed with clear bite marks on some of the vertebrates. Speakman and Udald Muhal, who is a paleontologist at the State Museum of Natural History Stuttgart, analyzed the bite marks and bone breaks to work out what had happened to these ancient creatures. The findings suggest that they were attacked by another predator that appeared to have targeted their long necks as a weak point on their body. Interesting. Are you sure they just have to dig deeper? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this neck was bit all... Wait, no, no. His head was in the sand. My bad. (laughs) No, that's true. true. You never know. You never know. They, They also cite here that they think the relatively small heads and long necks would have helped them. The... The um, Tanistrophius ambushed their prey since in water with low visibility, this head would be very difficult to spot for any prey. And also by sticking to the shallow water, Tanistrophius possibly was able to avoid large predators most of the time. Most of the time, except for this time. Yep. Except for this time, they got, they got nailed. Because when uh, they're hungry, they'll come in. That's right. That's right. Speaking of sea monsters, you, Bruiser... If you happen to be over on the other side of the pond, can collect $30,000 cash reward if you can find evidence of the Loch Ness Monster. All right. I got a goal. You got a goal. That's now, right. is it is it a ca- American cash or euros? Like, what are we talking here? Well, let's find out. Businessman <laughs> Dave Fishwick has announced the scheme during a segment on the UK television show this morning. There is arguably no cryptozoological creature as widely known as the Loch Ness Monster, a mystery animal described as a long-necked prehistoric reptile that is said to lurk in the depths of Scotland's famous loch. However, to date, conclusive scientific evidence of its existence has been pretty thin on the ground. Now in a renewed bid to remedy the situation, Dave Fishwick, a businessman who is also known as the Bank of Dave, (laughs) has offered $30,000 to anyone who can solve the mystery once and for all. Fishwick has recently been spotted at the opening of the new and improved Loch Ness Exhibition Center. I don't know that I can pronounce the name of the city where it is. On the 90th anniversary of the first modern sighting of the monster. The quote here from Juliana Delaney of Continuum is, As we look to open our doors, guests will have the opportunity to learn about the legend and then get to search the famous lock themselves, armed with further knowledge. We wish everyone luck in their search, and we know we will be watching the iconic lock ourselves. Of course, if someone did happen to have conclusive evidence of the Loch Ness Monster, it could be argued that they'd be able to sell that information for a lot more than $30,000 that the Bank of Dave is offering. I was going to say, it's going to be worth a lot more if you get definitive proof. That's right. Still, if it renews interest in solving the mystery, it can only be a good thing. But you can get $30,000 right off the bat. Oh, okay. Well, let's start something. That's right. Our next story comes from Margo. Well, thank you, Margo. Yeah. And we only have two stories left, by the way, in Supernatural News today. Margo sent the story in, and I think it's highly, highly ironic and pretty funny. Um, by the way, this isn't a Polish joke. 
<laughs> I'll start off by okay. saying that. Okay. All right. The headline See, is now AI wouldn't do that. No, AI would right. go into the Polish joke. Yeah. Right. They just tell a Polish joke. Yeah. I'm just, You're like, hey, this isn't a Polish joke. Right. This is a story. Yeah. That's the benefit of a live broadcaster. That's how we know you're not AI cruiser. That's right. I'm not AI cruiser. I'm real <laughs> cruiser. Uh, no more rides to hell on bus 666 in Poland. What? Wait, huh? <laughs> yep. That's right. They've... I, I've always wondered if Hell, Michigan had a bus route 666, because I, I always thought that'd be a great tourist thing. So obviously someone took my idea, it sounds like. I guess, right? We go to Warsaw, Poland, where there will be no more going to hell on bus 666. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the bus to the town of hell, that's H-E-L for all of you that are not local to Poland. Um, <laughs> the uh, bus on, to the town of hell on Poland's Baltic coast, has long been popular with tourists. But some Christian conservatives have protested the number signifying the devil on a bus leading to that place. That sounds like the word hell in English is probably not a good thing. Uh, the local bus operator, PKS, I believe it's pronounced Gdynia? Uh It's um, pronounced Lucifer Morningstar. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, G-D-Y-N-I-A. I believe it's Gdynia. Gdynia, yeah. yeah. Announced this week that bus 666 will no longer run to hell. <laughs> well, it ain't going to heaven. I know that much. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't have the rim shot up here. I would have given myself a rim shot, but that sounds dirty as well. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the... <laughs> So it's no longer going to run to hell. He said, uh, or rather, it said it had flipped the last number. So now it will run the line under the number 669. <laughs> so well, they went dirty with it. <laughs> that's right. So literally, it's going to go fuck itself on June 24th. <laughs> <laughs> How are the Christians okay with this? <laughs> I don't know. It's now a devil orgy. It is. It's a devil orgy. Uh, local media said the bus company acted under the pressure of Christian groups who had pushed for the change, but were already thinking of returning to the old number amid a public outcry over the change. That's right. The Pollocks had a problem with 669. <laughs> <laughs> they kept getting on the wrong bus. That's why. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> they got on the wrong bus. Look at you. Uh, the local news portal, I believe it's Tromastio, uh, said that the line operated under the num number 666 since 2006. First as a local joke before attracting riders from across Poland and beyond, some people rode the bus simply to say that they had taken the 666 bus to hell, or 666 bus to hell, Polish media reported. Of course. That's a great tourist attraction. That is marketing. Want to go to hell? Get on bus 666. That is great marketing, by the way. Bub is your driver. <laughs> Do you think they had a little patch, a little, oh, they had little name to. tag for the bus driver that said Beelzebub? Or like different like demons or like your driver. <laughs> if I owned that, I would. I'd be like, all right. All right, John. You're no longer John. You're now Beelzebub. <laughs> You're now Satan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fronda, a Catholic publication, has for years called the 666 bus, or called for it to be renamed, arguing that it, that it had satanic overtones and that to present the reality of eternal damnation as amusing in any way is just plain stupidity. 
So why aren't they lobbying to get the na- town name changed from hell to something else? To heaven? Call it heaven. Yeah. <laughs> well, what bus number would you have for, for heaven? 7-Eleven? Number one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> it lamented It would that- be Alpha Omega is what it would be. Oh, oh there you go. Alpha See? Omega. Yeah. Uh, it lamented the fact that many Polish journalists, even Catholic ones, took pleasure in the joke. That's the whole thing that Fronda had wrong with it. They just said it's just too much. They can't take it. They're they're um, they're crumbling under the uh, the whole hell. They're mad because they're already the butt of every single Polish joke. So they're like, you know what? We can't be the butt of like religious jokes now. We got to change this. <laughs> we got to change it. I I just. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I can't believe how many people don't have a sense of humor. Uh, exactly. It's not like you're really going to hell. And because you get right. on the bus, 666 does not mean you worship the devil. Right. It's it's a joke. It, it's Yeah, it's a joke and it's fun. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's like throwing up the devil horns, which I found out. Ronnie James Dio? Yeah. You know how he's the one that brought the metal sign and one thinks that's a sign of the devil and all that? It's not. Right. His grandmother used to do it to him when he passed when he fell asleep to protect him from evil. That's right. So when we do this, we really want to protect whoever's around us from, from evil. evil. Yeah. See? Yeah. You get on the bus 666, you're rocking out to some deal with your, your devil horns out. You're really just protecting everybody as you go to hell. That's right. That's right. You got it nailed there, Bruiser. That's for sure. See? Marketing genius. Marketing genius. Finally, our final story for uh, Supernatural News today. We go to Ohio, where a woman has refused to remove her nine and a half foot werewolf from her yard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Have you seen these? These are really cool. There's a... Uh, Ziggy's littermates, their uh, owner had this in their front yard. And I was like, how do I fit this in my car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be in my front yard right now. I'm with this woman. Don't remove it, lady. I have a cousin. Stand by your werewolf. I have a cousin that wants to celebrate Halloween all year round. And I don't don't find anything wrong with it. Neither do I. There's nothing wrong with it. People have their thing. They just have their thing where they, they, they love it. They want to celebrate it all year round. Let them do it. Exactly. Yeah. Some people leave their Christmas lights up all year round, not because they're celebratory, but just because they're lazy. But still, they keep your Christmas lights up. (laughs) Sure, sure, because they're lazy. That's right. Um, But, you know, if somebody's happy with something, let them be happy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not affecting you in any way, shape, or form. That's right. But then some people are nosy, and they feel like they need to control other people because they have no control of their own life. Yeah. Yeah, and and like, that's where like, we're does at this lady having having a nine foot werewolf in her yard affect you in any way other than you have to look at it every once in a while? No, exactly, exactly. Uh, we go to Ohio, where an Ohio woman said she has no plans to remove a nearly ten foot tall werewolf statue from her yard, despite a warning from the city. Now the city is her. getting. Why would the city get involved? Yeah, if anything, it's it's drawing people there to come see. Right. Mary Simmons of Dayton said she bought the nine and a half foot werewolf as a Halloween decoration last October and soon decided to leave it up all year. Well, good for her. Yeah. Maybe it's keeping the crows away. Maybe. Maybe it's keeping roofing solicitors away. I have, t- <laughs> I have too many of those that come by. Maybe I, I need a nine so and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I need a nine and a half foot werewolf. 
And you just got to put on there, no soliciting. Yeah. Have them hold the sign, no solicitors. That's right. And maybe it'll keep Wicket company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If anything, it gives them a place to climb. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It, it'll keep it'll keep the, the hawks away from trying to get at Wicket because they'll get yeah. scared. You know, and Wicket will be in peace. He'll just I, have the yard to himself. Yep. Yeah. I, I'll get one tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, he's kind I'll of trying to steal it next time I'm by Liddy's uh, Ziggy's littermates. There you go. Yeah, you'll you'll try and steal. It. There you go. Uh, he's kind of become my house mascot. Simmons told WKEF TV. I kind of look at it as a security thing. Who wants to break into a house with a nine and a half foot werewolf sitting outside of it? I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, has been dressing the wolf in various costumes to represent seasons and holidays. Uh, we're going to get a big Hawaiian shirt and maybe some sunglasses. She said. So it's a festive werewolf. Yeah. Uh, good for her. Yeah. Keep that. You fight the power. Fight the city, lady. There you go. I. You know what? It, it, if it's a festive werewolf, you get them festive for summer. I like that. I do, too. Change I it do with too. Change it with the seasons. Put a big winter coat on him and a hat in winter. This lady needs to take public enemies music to heart and fight the power. That's right. Fight the power. You got it. The werewolf, which Simmons dubbed Paul, he has a name. Okay, he's named. Okay. Yep, Paul. Uh, and, and you know what? He's safer than AI so far. He hasn't killed anything. That's right. He hasn't taken anybody's job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, he now has his own Facebook page with over 2,000 followers. Well, look at that. He's popular. That's right. You can't take him away. Yeah, Paul he's, the werewolf stays where he is. That's right. I'll sign a petition. I'll sign it as well. Simmons said neighbors have largely been welcoming of Phil's. Why does it say Phil? His name is Paul. It says they've been welcoming <laughs> of Phil's presence in her yard. The, the guy who wrote the article doesn't even know what his name is. That's, that's his middle name. Paul Phil. Yeah. Paul Phil Werewolf. Yep. Yep. Uh, but at least one resident sent an anonymous complaint to the city of Dayton, which issued Simmons a warning. Well, that's snitch. Well, then I'm going to send an email back to them that just says... <laughs> That sounded like an airplane. That was kind of cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, city officials said they have no plans to further enforce the werewolf's removal at this time. Good. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Simmons said she plans to keep Phil in her yard. Why did they say Paul and then <laughs> Phil? It's his middle name. Why did they not Maybe. keep it straight? It's it, a P. Let's call him P. We'll call him Pete. Okay. City officials say they have no plan to further enforce the werewolf's removal at this time. Simmons says she plans to keep Pete in her yard. <laughs> Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, and she has taken measures to ensure his presence is safe for neighbors. So there you go. Good for her. Yeah. What she needs to do is she needs to go find some rebar, put it right there in the werewolf's feet, Mount that son of a bitch down in the earth, That's fill right. it up with cement, and he's not going anywhere. And let Piper stay right where he is. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I mean, exactly. by God, he's he's not doing anybody any harm. No, Paul's perfect. That's right. Petrol is just fine where he is. <laughs> I like Poppy right there. That's right. Poppy is good where he is. <laughs> we don't even know what the damn werewolf's name is. <laughs> the guy who wrote the article doesn't even know what his name is. <laughs> Phil. We just stand with Pete. <laughs> That's right. Pete, Phil, Paul, Petro, Poppy, Poppy, Poo Poo. I don't know what his name is. It's something. 
don't know. He's a werewolf. He's we a werewolf. Yeah. He, he wears clothes. He wears costumes to brighten up the seasons. That's right. Yeah. Pa- Pasco. Uh, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's named after the starfish on, <laughs> on SpongeBob. He was a butthole. He's a butthole. That's what, that's what Patrick is. A starfish is a butthole. I know. You got to take care <laughs> of your starfish, you know. That's what I say. I only did I tell you that that that's one of my mottos in life. Take care of your starfish. I yeah. do. Yeah, take care of your. That's starfish. why I'm worried about dying on the toilet. I know, who's, right? Who's going to wipe me? That's right. That's why I only buy the finest toilet paper. You 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 have to splurge on certain things in life. I actually, Mrs. Bruiser, I was out at the gym and I was coming home and she said, "Hey, we need toilet paper for the house." I said, "Okay," so I picked mm-hmm. some toilet paper up and I almost got my ass chewed because I got the wrong toilet paper. What'd you get? I got the Charmin. Yes. The Bears. Yeah. Yes. But she gets some other stuff that's even better than that. There's nothing and better than know. Charmin. There's nothing better no. than Charmin. Charmin. It might be another version of Charmin. I don't know. She just yelled at me saying it was the wrong one. She doesn't I, get that cotton L crap, does she? No, I don't think that's it. Okay. We're, now we're going to start toilet paper wars here on, on the show. <laughs> Thank you. It, it's uh, Charmin is the creme de la creme. That's it. That's, that is the stuff. I, yeah. But it, it was yellow instead of the red color is what it was. You get the red is like sandpaper. I get the blue. Maybe it's blue. I don't know. There's different. I don't know. See, this is why I shouldn't be put in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but see, now you got to do overwhelmed. <laughs> you you got to do the combo platter. So you got to get the wet wipe, the Charmin wet wipe, and you got to get the, the toilet paper. Oh, we have wet wipes. Yeah, I you, love the wet wipes. I'm yeah. trying to convince her to let me get a bidet. See, now, okay, so I have one, but I haven't installed it yet. Oh, you got to install it. Yeah, I got to I gotta it's get... It's life-changing. Yeah, I got to get the bidet up and going. So Yeah, I, I first used a bidet when I was over in Japan, and yeah. I fell in love, and now it's my life's mission to own a bidet. Yeah, I, 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 I got one a few years ago, but... Um, Does it have the different settings where it can do the hot water, the pulsing? No, I need to get the, all the... Japan is, had that. Oh. This is just a, a basic. Um, it's it's a basic two spray. So okay. it's it's a male female um, bidet. Yeah. Although a two spray on a guy, I think would be weird because then it's uh, it's basically <laughs> spraying your nuts. I I, I can't. Uh, if you make the mistake as a guy, I think that's uh, kind of weird. I don't know. I haven't given it. I'll give it a try. Because like I said, when I was in Japan, <laughs> it was just me, so I'd never change it off male. Yeah. But I did use the pulse sanding. I did use the warm. I didn't like the cool. Yeah. They recommend doing the cool right after a shower. I was like, ah, no, no, I don't like that. No. no. Yeah. I should have flipped to the female, see if it washed my nuts. That'd you know, been great. South Park has that, uh, has that episode with the Japanese toilet. Have you ever seen that one? No. Oh, where, where, uh, where Stan's dad is, is showing off the Japanese toilet to all the neighbors and he thinks he's better than everybody because he's got the Japanese toilet. Okay. Yeah. It's a $10,000 toilet. It's Bob's Burgers does an episode about that. Yeah. Yeah. Where Gene has to take care of a smart toilet. Yeah, it's uh, it made me want one. I I kind of wanted. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I had I there's a lot of stuff in Japan I wanted, but every room you go into, you hit your head. <laughs> like that's the thing I didn't like. <laughs> and their toilets are really low to the ground. Yeah. I got to get them raised. Although, unless it's a handicap toilet, a handicap toilet over there. It's, it's you're just barely squatting. Uh, there's something to that, though. You know, that's the whole reason they made the squatty potty. 
Oh yeah, because the way you squat and stuff. Well, my son's obsessed with his squatty potty. Yeah, the the squatty potty. It, it, actually, there's something to that because the the, the whole gravity thing. It's easy. Yeah, it, it, I didn't enjoy the squatty potty. My son got one and he brought it over and he was mad he couldn't take it with him to basic. So he like developed one in the army. Really? Hmm. Yeah, he he swears by squatty potty. People right now are going, "What the fuck am I listening to?" <laughs> <laughs> This was supposed to be the end of the show. What the fuck? People are like, okay, this is where I end the show. What the fuck are you talking about? This has nothing to do with anything supernatural. I'm listening to shit talk on Darkness Radio. What the fuck, people? Part of Yeah. So, anyways, oh, well. but you, this is this is how we send off Bruiser with shit talk because he's gonna end up probably uh, I, I getting can bring constipated. Back to the paranormal. Uh, Mrs. Bruiser has. Remember, I always telling everybody that she thinks her office is haunted. Uh huh. Yep. She's bringing me video proof today. Really? She, somebody in the office got video proof. So I'm gonna look at this and I'm gonna break it down. I'm gonna send it to you too. See what you can see. Okay. And we're gonna debunk the crap out of this. <laughs> you know what? We should almost um, if yeah, send me video proof and and, and uh, if if we can or can't debunk it, let's do this. Let's see if we can put it up on on YouTube and we'll put it on the Darkness Radio Show website and let the listeners debunk it. There you let go. Let them take a look at it. Okay, let's do that. We'll do that during the week here, and you guys can take a look uh, look at it for yourselves. We'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we'll do uh, tomorrow on the show. ACG is in the house. ACG stands for Always Chasing Ghosts, and ACG Paranormal will be here. Nat and the gang will be here. We'll be talking about investigations and investigative techniques. They are the group that uses music during their investigations to try and lure ghosts in. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to sitting down and talking with them. They've, they've got some EVP with them. We'll be playing some of their EVP. We'll be talking about some of their more well-known investigations. Of course, ACG Paranormal has been out on the um, convention circuit. They've been uh, featured doing some lectures, and uh, they kind of caught my eye. So I want to uh, want to talk to them about some of their more well-known investigations. Very cool. Very excited for that. Yeah. So just uh, featuring some of the, some of the uh, paranormal groups that are out there. If you have a paranormal group that's been out there, and uh, doing some investigations, uh, submit your stuff to me at timatdarknessradio.com if you want to be featured here on the show. Uh, I ask some certain criteria. Not everybody's going to get on Darkness Radio, you know. Um, I know, I sound elitist right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, want, uh, I want some video evidence. I want some EVP evidence. If you have a website, send me the link to your website. Let me take a look at what you've done. And uh, we'll consider you for um, a spot on the show. Keep in mind, you got to hold up an hour plus here on the show. So, with you is easy though. You're good at what you do. Oh well, thanks. Well, I, I'm I'm not going to make it easy for you either. So, <laughs> well, I, I know that, but I'm just saying you'll get an hour on people. But I prefer a group that is not just you know investigating well-known uh, landmarks, uh, yeah. but a, but a group that's done some home you know home investigations as well. So. Uh, some a professional group, uh, not just a, a, a group of hobbyists. So, right. Yeah. I'm looking for, for some experienced paranormal investigators. So. Uh, so that'll do it for today. Bruiser, you got any last thoughts before you head off to surgery? No, just uh, keep the well wishes coming and 
I'll uh, I'll see you guys in a few weeks. That's right. I'll be a new man. Now, Bruiser does have a couple of shows coming up before he does go I off do. to surgery. So why don't you tell us about where you'll be? Saturday, Mount Airy, North Carolina for AIWF. And then Sunday is my very last match at AML Wrestling for in, uh, for AML Wrestling in Greensboro. Um, in, in fact, the building we're wrestling in, they're tearing down. We're the last event to be held in this building. Really? Uh, and tickets are going really fast. It's a very limited seating event. I think it only holds 300 people. Um, but yeah, we're the last event. It's getting torn down. So I do have a link, I believe, to that last show up on uh, darknessradioshow.com in the yep. events page. So uh, yep. if you're looking for tickets, go quickly to that link. Yeah, they're almost gone. Yep. And uh, get your tickets while you can right now to see that. And uh, uh, Brian Malone is my tag team partner. He'll be there because he <clears throat> wanted to come no matter what. Just uh, give me well wishes before surgery, and we're tagging one last time. Well, I shouldn't say one last time. We're tagging for the foreseeable future as one last time. There you go. Yeah, just yeah. It's it's a it's a pre-surgery tag. Put it that way. Exactly. Pre-surgery yep. tag. So yep. Yeah. So uh, witness a reunion of the uh, of the bouncers uh, on on uh, this weekend, and uh, in an all all out that show is amazing. By the oh, way, yeah. if you Tommy go, Rich is going to be there. Uh, Joey Janelle is going to be there. Angelina Love, yeah, the bouncers. Um, I think they. I don't remember who they just added, but they just added a couple of people too. It's just like it's my first time meeting Tommy Rich in all these wow. years. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to meet him. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, you got a, a hell of a barn burner of a show down there uh, to see you off for surgery. So. Uh, yeah, if you're in the area in North Carolina there, you said Mount Airy, right? That's uh, Saturday. Oh, that's Greensboro. Saturday. Greensboro. Okay. Sunday. Yep. So if you're yep. in Greensboro on Sunday uh, and you can get a ticket, by gosh, go see that show. That show is going to be amazing. It uh, will be streaming on Title Match Network. So I think I'm going to purchase that show. Yep. Just look up Title Match Network. Um, it's, I think, like five bucks for the, the whole show. And it's AML is the best independent I've wrestled for. It It's Tracy and Brian do a great job. It's very professional. Um, they bring family friendly. You know, they have they'll have their occasional matches with blood and stuff, but it's ninety nine percent family friendly, and it's uh, like I said, the production is great. I've mm -hmm. just been hired on as a producer there, so I will be producing some of the matches. So, what's the start time on the show on Sunday? Seven o'clock. Oh no, four o'clock on Sunday. It's four o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, let me make sure. But, yeah, I believe it's 4 o'clock on Sunday. Okay. Because they run Sunday shows, which is amazing, because um, NASCAR and, and racing is so big here. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yep, so, Sunday at 4 o'clock. Sunday at 4, make sure you check out Title Match Network. And uh, we, we all can see Bruiser's uh, last show before surgery. So check that out. Uh, that'll do it for today's show, folks. Again, ACG Paranormal tomorrow on Darkness Radio. For Beer City Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for tuning in to Supernatural News here on The Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio.